Welcome to Kashmir's on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashmir's Magazine. And I, we have a very good show tonight, uh, some very interesting topics. Uh, I'll let you know right now what they are, although we're going to have a little intro. Uh, we're going to mention about an Eide Charedis Mashkiach in Dubai for Hanukkah. Yes, Mashkir in Dubai for Hanukkah. Uh, we're going to talk about artichokes. We're going to talk uh, from the Kashmir's Monthly, my monthly uh, publication, which comes out uh, you know, 12 times a year. We let people know everything that's updated in Kashmir's. It's a one-page document. You get it emailed, faxed. Or emailed in the in in an envelope, uh, and we're going to take uh, twelve of the recent points and going to discuss it with you here. We're going in Hashem. We're going to do all these things tonight. Uh, we I gave a uh, shear uh, to a uh, girls' school in our neighborhood over here on Friday, and I'm going to share with you some of the things we said. It was mostly about brachos. And uh, then we're going to hopefully get the juices tonight. If we don't get the juices tonight, I'll try to put it on for next week. I usually end up with five new things, but we'll try very hard to get all of that done tonight or put it in for next week. You know, we just went through a week, a little more than a week, uh, just to drop more than a week with some very extraordinary things happening in our community and in the world. We lost Rabbi Steinman's Zatzal. There was a horrific fire here in Flatbush. Rabbi Sholem Rabashkin was commuted, his sentence commuted. These are amazing things that happened in a short span of time. Sometimes, uh, you know, over a course of a year, some things happen that are extraordinary. But things are really rushed up now in an amazing sort of a way. And obviously, we're supposed to take a note. I'm not going to discuss any of those uh, issues and and incidents but i want to just say that all of us have to say that it means something to us a b and c these things mean something to us we have to be thankful for our life we have to be thankful for our safety and our health and we have to be thankful for our freedom these are things that we always take for granted because they're basic but they're not guaranteed and the Kaddish Baruch Hu decides when yes and when no and who yes and who no. And we have to very be extremely happy about the uh, fact that you have health, we have life, we have health, we have safety, we have our freedom. And I'm going to be talking a little bit about Brachas and Yitzhashem today if I get a chance to do it. But let's start from the top. Eid HaRedis. Now, I don't have a lot of material. I wish I did. But it's a great story. I'm going to read it to you as is. It was, um, it, it, we don't have all the details, and I really, I wish I did, but they wouldn't ever give you all the details. That I can tell you. Here's the story. A mashkiach from the Eidah HaKaredis in Eretz Israel ended a secret mission in Dubai. It was uh, last, last Thursday. He was overseeing a special product line that requires supervision during all parts of the production. The mashkiach is an Israeli, and he has a foreign passport also. The Israeli part is no good. He went into Dubai. He had to use his foreign passport. And the government knew why he was there. And they knew what he was doing. But he, he but still, he needed a large security force all around him at all times in order to prevent any harassment at the, from, from, by, by the people who were there. I mean, you know, this is an Israeli, you understand. Israeli media website Ladat 
discovered that the specific item that he that he was involved in making for the for the Ada is also made in Israel. So you'd think, you know, what is he doing over in Dubai? But it, it involves a fruit, but he can't do the, they cannot do the size of quantity in Israel for what they need because people are very interested, the tremendous demand in it for Israel, and somehow it ties into Pesach. I don't, they wouldn't tell us what it is, so I don't know exactly what it is, but uh, so the trip the Eidechadredes took to Dubai uh, had, he had to do in order to get the volume that they needed. The local security services required that the mashkiach hide his peyos, hide his tzitzis, and anything else that gave him a sign to be Jewish. He also was asked not to speak Hebrew or Yiddish in any public area. He davened by himself in a locked hotel room. And when it came to lighting the candles, I mean, don't ask me the shilas now. How do you, who saw it? Okay. I don't know. Maybe you got somebody else there. He said, it, it, and it, with the lighting of the candles, he had, he, he was asked to hide his lighting of the candles. And he was there the first two nights of Hanukkah that he lit in Dubai. So what did he do? He took a coffee cup and a pair of inverted ashtrays to hold his little oil cups he had, little oil cups, so that he could light the candles in his hotel room without anybody noticing. Amazing story, and it's not the first time the aid is sent to uh, Arab countries and, 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 and to people who are anti-Israel, but this was, uh, Dubai is a tough place, and it was a, an interesting story which was reported after it happened, of course. I don't think he'll be able to do it uh, so easily next year. I don't know what they're coming up with, but they probably plan something different because if it got out, no, it is, it's not safe next year. That's Rabbi, the, yeah. I think the next year will be peace, but Bezad Hashem. Bezad Hashem. And uh, what he did, in a, I missed the first part. What did? He, what kind of kashrut? It, it doesn't, they don't tell you oh, the, what it was. They won't tell you, but he was doing something dealing with fruit. It was a specific item that was that cannot be made in Israel in the quantities that they need for the Israeli populace, and uh, he was he was doing something. It's also tied into Pesach. They don't give the information. There's a uh-huh. public. There's a, a website called Ladat, and that's where it was found. Okay. Okay. Uh, now there's it, this is from Israel, but it's on a. It doesn't sound to me like a very. A new kind of thing, but for for people who are tuning into the show who are not familiar with all the vegetable issues, so this is an interesting point. The uh, the uh, the Rabbanut in Eretz Israel just sent out a uh, an announcement that a certain company. That's why it's interesting. Why the company? Because they they they're very concerned about artichokes, and uh, they, there's a certain company that comes from Italy. And it's uh, the the company the, on on the outside of the packaging. It says Bell, uh, Bell, and the 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 they're the, the making the audit, Bell artichokes a la Romana, Romana, like Roman, you know, a Roman uh, type, a la Romana. It play. It's in from. I don't know if their company is in Rome, but they're in. They're from Italy, and uh, this Bell artichoke company. Filled with insects, thrips, aphids. It's it's unbelievable, but they they stopped. I mean, you know, obviously they say you can't sell it over here, 
trying to get it out of the country. And in, in any event, they gave no permission for the pride to come in. I don't know if it has hashkocha. For some reason, it doesn't mention here that it had any hashkocha. I would have thought maybe it does, but with the point being that artichokes are definitely a very difficult product to get clean. Let me give you uh, 12 points. Some of these things you may have heard of. Some of you didn't. Some of them will be in your house, in the cabinet, refrigerator. Some of them you've never heard of before, maybe never see. We can't help that. We're talking about everybody and everything every day. So, But this first, good for a few of them for sure, I know are going to affect everybody listening here. Oberlander made Hanukkah and dreidel cookies. And uh, the ones that we're going to mention now are not Yoshin, even though it says Yoshin on the label. That's important. Not every time it says Yoshin on the label is it Yoshin. That's why the people who are careful about Yoshin get the uh, guide to Chodesh, which you can get free or you can pay $12, I'm sorry, $25, I think, for the year. But you can get a free uh, if you have a, if you have a web if you have a uh, email you just email them and they send it to you free and you, of course you got to print it but it doesn't cost that much to print it I mean it's you know sixty pages or so uh, the Oberlander Hanukkah and dreidel cookies that are not Yoshin are lot numbers o five o nine o one one seven through o seven one one three o one seven. I can't figure out exactly what the what the issue is. I mean, I can tell what that means, but I, my guess is that 05 and 09 may, might be the month and the day, and uh, 07, 11 might be the month and the day, and the 117 probably has to it ties in with 7 to 2017. I'll read the numbers again. 05, 09, 0117 through... O seven one one three zero one seven. If you want, you can look it up. Uh, you know, we have it on on, on the Kashmir uh, Monthly, or the, you know, you might find it someplace else. Okay. Uh, the next one is about sodas. I don't know if we mentioned it here. Could be we did, but uh, it's a little more involved than I mentioned it in the past. These are the new Mountain Dew soda flavors that are kosher. I don't know if they have if they have any symbol on the label or not, but they're all considered to be kosher. The Mount, these Mountain Dew sort of flavors. Mountain Dew Holiday Brew, Mountain Dew Game Fuel, Arctic Burst, that's one thing, I think. Mountain Dew Game Fuel Tropical Smash. This is for kids, remember, right? Mountain Dew Spiked Lemonade and Mountain Dew Spiked Raspberry Lemonade. But Mountain Dew Spike Energy Drink is not acceptable. So therefore, they watch out for energy drink, but the sodas with the name Mountain Dew, the new ones I gave you, the Holiday Brew, the uh, Game Fuel Arctic Burst, and the Game Fuel Tropical Smash, and the Spiked Lemonade, and the Spiked Raspberry Lemonade. Those are the ones that are new sodas that are acceptable, not the Mountain Dew Spike energy drink. Number three, and this does affect a lot of people, these are um, different 
uh, sucking candies. I don't know what they call them, throat lozenges, throat drops, cough drops, whatever you want to call them. These th- four companies uh, have an OUD, Ludens, Right Aid, Walgreens, and CVS. Those, they, those brands of throat drops and cough drops that have an OUD, the D means dairy equipment. There's no dairy ingredients. So that's another point we wanted to give you. And then a Ferrara Candy Company. This is a very important announcement now about Ferrara Candy Company. I know I've talked about it in the past, but I don't know if I've ever told you this form. This is the most dramatic form I have of it. All Ferrara Candy Company products made in Mexico, except for atomic fireballs and jawbreakers, are not certified by UMK Kosher. That's the United Mahadran Kosher, the ones that have been, make, have been certifying it for the last 20 years. They're not certifying anymore any of the Ferrara Candy Company products from Mexico, except two, atomic fireballs and jawbreakers. Those are the only ones they are certifying. Corrective measures have been taken. Listen to this. Also, some Ferrara Candy Company products have the UMK symbol on the outer packaging on products which are no longer certified by the UMK. In other words, it's unauthorized. Again, you won't find it on the little boxes, but I see it on the big box. It is an unauthorized claim to be kosher. That's what's happening now with Ferrara candy. People love this. It's cheap. Kids love it. The nice taste, and it's cheap and it's small, and you know it's available everywhere right now. He's not even tell you which ones. If it says UMK on the outside, the outside packaging, but not on the inside packaging, forget it. It's not just left off accidentally. It's not certified by the UMK. And in other words, they're using the UMK without their permission. It's a home mishmash now. And if, if, I, were, if I had the kids that age, I would tell them, forget the Ferrara pan. It's over with. That's what I would tell them. You can decide what to do, but that's what I would have told them. Uh, now, this is an interesting one. I was involved in this one. Uh, Rabbi Marmerstein and I were working together on it. He gives a hashkocha called Mahadran Kashras. He has a, a hashkocha that uh, he's located in Manhattan, and uh, uh, he's uh, we, we're in contact quite a bit. And I, I came across this. It's called Aviles, A-V-I-L-E apostrophe S, Altamar, Sal Demar and Sal Rosata. Excuse me for saying, pronouncing it the way I do because I don't know how to pronounce it properly. Sal meaning like salt. Okay? And it's called Aviles Altamar Sal Demar and Sal Rosada. They're from Spain and Mexico. Oh, I see a misspelling over here in my paper. My <laughs> life is interesting. <laughs> Uh, they bear an unauthorized use of the Mahadran Kashras logo. So it's not, it's, it says Mahadran Kashras, it has their symbol with a big mem and a kufin and something like that, a K inside, something like that. And it, uh, whatever the symbol is exactly, it's a big mem. And he says that that is not his hashkacha. 
So watch out for that. Sal Demar and Sal Rosada. Another one, Dole fruit snacks in strawberry and orange varieties are OU certified in the U.S. and are kosher certified even if the OU symbol is not yet on the label. So you could buy Dole fruit snacks, strawberry and orange varieties. They are OU certified even though there's no OU on the label. The grape variety is not certified. Now here's a couple of new unauthorized that came out real recently. I don't I didn't even get it out to my people yet, who ones are the people who are subscribed to the Conscious Monthly. I didn't get it out to them yet. It's in the ones that's going out in January. Best choice refried beans from Kansas City is not kosher. I'd probably make it in this beans in the place where they make pork and beans. So the best choice refried beans is not kosher, and it has an OU on it. The Jubilee Gummy Bears from Terrafina in Bronx, New York. They're sold in the Jubilee Marketplace. They mistakenly put an OU on their gummy bears. I'm not saying okay on their gummy bears. It's not kosher. They're non-kosher gummy bears. It has an okay on it. That's called Jubilee brand gummy bears. Now, this is another one that I got involved in. This one, for sure, came only from me, and there was nobody else involved in this. It's, uh, well, the guy who told, the person who came to me shared the information. Benacol, I don't know what, it, I've never seen it, but I, I don't shop that much, especially because of these kind of foods, but uh, you, you will find this in the stores. B-E-N-E-C-O-L. Uh, they make two f- flavors, light and original. It's a cholesterol-lowering margarine product. It's a margarine that has low cholesterol, so you won't get the problems uh, with the heart. Benecol, B-E-N-E-C-O-L, the light and the original. It used to be O-U Parva. It just went O-U-D. And uh, the concern is that maybe uh, people who will be unaware of it Especially since the kind of thing like, like uh, margarine is used as a, uh, in a you know, in, in, in a part of a margarine is something that's used in a lot of products that are that are going to be used with flesh meals. So that's got to be on top of it. Now there's two new products that came out from the KLBD, the London Bethden. You're going to ask me why am I telling you this? I'll tell you in a second. The first one is B raw cakes. I don't even know what that is, but B just the letter B, raw, R-A-W, cakes. They're uh, certified parva, kosher parva with the London Bethden, and uh, they're gluten-free, and there's no hashgacha on the label. The skinny lager is now under London Bethden, and there's no symbol on the label. And the reason it's important, I feel, is the skinny lager, because lager is a beer, and people are always trying to find a new beer, an interesting beer, and uh, people, thank God, are getting interested in looking for a shkocha. So they're always telling me, oh, just Coors, that's all you got is Coors, and no one has anything interesting. Well, try Skinny Lager. It's now KLBD. There are two gas stations. Uh, one is in Boca Raton, called the, in the mobile gas station on 7176 Barracasa Way in Boca Raton, which is not my neighborhood. 
and and they're selling smoothies and hot drinks there that use something that came from a CRC hashgacha, and they putting CRC on the window in the stores and the doors in that they're posting it that CRC so people get the idea that everything in there is all CRC which of course it's not, and the other one <coughs> is a little more local, not not to here but local for us, it's called. I think it's pronounced it this way, sign-in oil station. But it's the way it says over here is S-I-G-N-I-N, one word. I suppose it means sign-in oil station on th- at 300 Hurley Avenue in Lakewood, New Jersey. They also have a CRC on there making, giving the impression that the C, the, that the Chicago Rabbinical Council certifies their products there, which is not true. So watch out for that one when you travel out to Lakewood, the sign-in oil station on Hurley Avenue, 300 Hurley Avenue in Lakewood, has a CRC in the window, and from the CRC from Chicago, and it's not under Hashkoch at all. Another one is a is the CRC told us that they're the blackberries and raspberries, which I I I was saying this for years, so I don't know, it doesn't really excite me, but I, I always bring it up because. People may think, oh, Rabbi Wickler represents the extreme in Judaism, which I don't think I do, but okay, well, you want to say so, fine. So it, I always like to bring it up when the, when the OEOK, Kafka, Stark, CRC in Chicago, and when they bring up things and they say, we can't use it anymore, I like to tell you people about it because that means that I'm not so far <laughs> to the right as some people might think. Due to high incidence of insects that have been discovered in blackberries and raspberries, the CRC currently recommends that store-bought frozen blackberries and frozen raspberries not be consumed whole. Now, they obviously, hinting that you could crush them, you have to ask your rubber about that. Because if they're so infested, it's a question of whether you're allowed to crush them. But they, that's the position. The, the, the CRC didn't say you could. It didn't say you can't. But it says you can't eat them straight. Now, and that doesn't even with Hashgachas, you understand. Uh, now, these, these were, this, is, this was mentioned a while ago. I think many people may have heard it. It's a few weeks old, but not more than about two weeks old. came out right before Hanukkah. Jerusalem of gold, milk, chocolate, coins, and medallions with an O-U-D on it, are not Chal of Yisrael. Again, Jerusalem of gold, milk chocolate coins, and medallions with the O-U-D are not Chal of Yisrael. So that concludes the little section that I have from the Kashas Monthly. And now I'm going to take you into the world of Brochos. I wish I could uh, go through the whole program. I don't have time to do it now. And I would love to come to visit some of your schools to be able to present a, a program for you. This program that I did here in this particular school was developed just specifically for this particular uh, girls' school in our neighborhood. Every time I speak, uh, I always develop an entirely different program. So I'm not just going to read this thing again to you to a class in another school. It will be whatever, you know, after co- talking with them, we come up with a plan. Anyway, they wanted me to talk about brachas and to 
given proper importance to it. The girls, the sixth to the eighth grade, they're studying brachas now, and I did give them uh, some things I'm not going to be able to go through now because this we, either we've mentioned it here before or it applies more to the girls in that school. So I'm not going to go there. But one thing, too, uh, I think is very important to note. We This is based on the Sefer HaChasidim and the Mishnah Brura. What is a bracha all about? What does it mean to make a bracha? What, is, what are we doing? So we we developed here, uh, uh, I think it's five altogether, or if you maybe, I may, I stretched it perhaps a little bit. But uh, number one is that we're recognizing that Hashem made the world. He's the bayre. And number one, okay. Number two, we're stressing oilam chesed yibane, that Hashem made a world of kindliness. And he decided to do chesed with you. So he made the world, and he's doing chesed in the world with you. And he gave you this food. So that's uh, that's another thing entirely. Not just that he's doing a chesed with you, but he gave you this for this particular food was for you. For me, the whole world was created. Every single thing in this world is made for me. And the food that you get is made for you. Nick, another point. It looks so nice. It tastes so good. He wants you to enjoy it. Rabbi Miller, Rabbi Victor Miller's outside used to tell us that he met the Rosh Hashiva from, you know, coming out of davening. And he said to him, uh, you know, we schmoozed the fiddle a few minutes. Not, not probably not. But should say a few minutes. Probably a half a minute. But they schmoozed a little bit, and then he said, "Have a good breakfast." And the Rosh Hashiva looked at him. Rabbi Miller, have a good breakfast. Wish me luck and learning. This, have a good breakfast. He said, "You're going to eat it. You might as well enjoy it." <laughs> That's that was Rabbi Miller. He, he he cut to the chase. He got to the real thing. You're a human. You enjoy food. You're not, you're not a car. You're not putting in the, you're not putting gas into the car. Hashem made a world for you to taste, have the taste, the taste buds for you to enjoy. Mm, that was geschmack. Thank you very much for making. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. You're, you're a human. <laughs> Even if you're a big tzaddik, you're still human. And that's what Rav Miller taught. Maybe you're not going to be taivadik. Give me another one. I don't like that one. Give me a different flavor. Okay. Maybe taiva is not the what we should be working on, but enjoyment, appreciation, of course. That's Pasha the Seichel. Okay, so that's for sure. He wants you to enjoy it. Then, basically, to sum it up, what a bracha is, thanking Hashem for making you and for providing you with this food. That's what the bracha is. A bracha is a tefillah. It's a thank you. It's not a bus pass. It's a serious thing that we're supposed to be taking seriously. Now, what did the bracha mean? So this is a thing that I don't know if I've said it here. It could be I did say it, but not the whole part. Um, the word, Rav Miller taught us that the word bracha comes from the word berech, which is a knee. And he taught us that bracha, we don't can't give a bracha to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. You know, I'm going to give Hashem bracha. I, little me, is going to give Hashem a bracha. He taught us not to look at it that way. He taught us to look at that we're knee-bended to him. We are subservient to him. We're avadim to Hashem. When you say baruch, it means I am an evid to you, Hashem. 
I'm bending my knee in a, in a way of showing the, uh, 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 showing that I'm an evid to you. That's what the knee bending and what the baruch is. And we bend our knees at baruch in the, in the Shmon Esrei. And we, we bend our knees and we, we actually are doing this. And, but the word baruch has that meaning. So baruch means when knee bended to you Hashem. To show that we're your servants. Melech Ha'olam, you're the king of the entire universe, everywhere. We're knee bended to you because you created the fruit of the tree. In other words, the, the fact that, that Hashem made this, that we, we have to come to you, we have to thank you for making this particular food. We were recognizing what it means. Another point I made to the girls is the meaning of the different words. We did this here on the show once a long time ago, just mentioning it briefly, that the names of uh, Adon, Adon, you know, Adnus, Hashem's name, Aleph, Dal, Nun, and Yud, is when you say that, the meaning is Adon HaKol, the master of everything. When you say Havaya, Hashem is Yud and a K and a Vav and a K, that, that name of Hashem uh, we call Havaya. He was, he is, and he will always be. That's the meaning. And that Lukus, when you say Hashem is Elokim, it means Hashem, you are all powerful, the source of all power. Now, uh, I also told the girls the following. Here, here's how you make a bracha. First, stop. Don't move around. Moving around is terrible. It's it's it, the people making a bracha while they're in action, other actions, even the tiniest action, is really not appropriate whatsoever. There could be situations you're driving a car, and you want to have a nash, you want to have a shock, or you want to have a, a something. You're starved, you're hungry, you're thirsty. You want to make a bracha. So my rabbi taught me that you can do make you can make the bracha while you're driving. But it's not the preferable state to be in. But at least, if you're if you're doing it with Sarah, you say Boruch Ato Hashem. You say it properly. You don't say Baruch Tcholom. You say it with the way a bracha is supposed to be made, so you can be able to create a bracha while you're driving. But in general, when a person is moving around and looking around, it's not the appropriate way to make a bracha. If you can avoid it, do. Um, Next, consider you're standing before Hashem. Just like in the Shemon Esri, you're standing before Hashem. Hold the food in your right hand. If you're a lefty, you can hold it in the left hand. Know what kind of food you're making a bracha on, because a lot of times people are making the bracha on the wrong food. They thought it was this, really that item. Sorry, I forget a mistake. Focus on, not just on the bracha. I'm sorry, focus only on the bracha. No motioning, no winking, no looking at other people's direction. You finish the bracha, no matter what is going on all about you, and then you can take care of the other thing. And say it out loud. A lot of people are afraid to be, I don't know what's the reason, they're afraid to hear their voice. People who could talk to you normally, have a nice conversation with you, when it comes to davening or brachos, quiet, I can't hear a thing. That's the way they are. And it's not, you have to... Uh, 
I mean, if you, if you don't want to disturb people in the room, or or there's a lot of people in the davening, you don't can't disturb them. Okay, I understand. But uh, normal, normally, when you're taking a piece of food, making a bracha takes uh, 15 seconds. I don't think it's such a terrible thing to say it, and everybody will be able to answer amen. Some people go out of their way to get their people to answer amen, but at least to not be scared to say the bracha. And then we mentioned before not to say a thing like Baruch Atah because there you're swallowing the words. We say, we say swallow the food, not the words. And Rav Milazatza used to teach us that the food makes the bracha go down well. So the goal of the bracha, saying the bracha is the goal, not a hurdle that you have to make the cross in order to get the food. Now some of the questions that were asked these questions are interesting. I was given in advance the questions. So I prepared them. I, the Menaheles uh, asked the girls to, to, to hand in some questions. And the Yanhala and the also handed in some questions. And uh, we had an interesting discussion on uh, five questions. Number one, Shini Mokum, changing a place. When I'm sitting here and I go up to the next room, we paskin that in the same house, that's not a change of place. In this, within the same house is not a change of place. There are people who are machmir on it. My Rebbe was tried very much to be machmir. I, I don't, I don't know if he was machmir to the point of, you know, making new brachim from one, one room to another. But he was machpid and washing at the table, not the, not, not washing in the kitchen. So you know, he, he was uh, he, he held very much from switching places and even with the house. But the velt is not machmir on that. But we are if you go inside the house to outside, if you go from in, from the house to the car, yes, then we're machpid that it's, that's called a shini makom, and you might need to make a new bracha. That's the halacha of shini makom. There's a lot of issues I'm not going to take up now. I'm not going to discuss if he ate bread. I'm not going to discuss if he left a group of people there. I'm not going to discuss alamichia. I'm not talking about any of that, that now. Questions that I want to say is just a person is having a, a, a fruit or whatever it is, and he goes out the door. And now he wants to have more, or he wants to continue eating. That's the question we're talking about. So if you go outside and you can still see the original place where you were eating originally, like you're eating, let's say, up until the front door, and you're going out into the car, and you can see from the car, you can see the place you were standing. Now you ask him to close the door. I don't know the answer. To that. I think it means it's okay even if the door is closed. But anyway, uh, you you could see the place where you were standing, where you were before. Then you don't need a new bracha, but still, it's not the right thing to do. Meaning that you should. Have in mind when you're if you if you're eating and going outside, you should have in mind that you're not going to have this bracha take care of the food you eat outside in the car or outside walking around the street. You have to say, "I'm going to make a new bracha out there." You have to have that sort of in your mind. Well, then that's that's called hesachadas, and you can make a new bracha for sure outside. We don't want you to rely on not making the new bracha and say, no problem, I don't have to make a new bracha, I continue to eat. But halachically, we're going to say that if you can see the place from where you are now to where you were before when you were eating with the bracha inside the house, then uh, you could uh, be rely on that and not make a new bracha. If you're doing continuous eating, like 
chewing gum or sucking a candy and you're out and going from the house to the street to the car to the back and forth, you don't need a new bracha because it's continual eating. But now the question comes up, and this is one of the classic questions. What about sucking, a, I'm sorry, licking an ice cream? What about nibbling a bag of potato chips? Or uh, something where you're, you're nibbling, the food is in your hand, and you're uh, eating it as you go. On, you're eating on the go. Is that called continuous eating? So uh, the Svarim say, no, we should not rely on that. That's not continuous eating. Continuous eating is where the food is in your mouth and you're swallowing it, you're eating it slowly. That's continuous eating. Not something I'm going to pick, take a little bit more of and put in my mouth, a little more, pick away at it. That's not continuous eating. And therefore, what you should do is you should stop for a few seconds and then make a new bracha. So if I went from the house to the street and I'm licking the ice cream, first of all, it's inappropriate. I teach everybody... I taught my kids. Hopefully, <laughs> I tried, but we, we we don't want we don't want anybody uh, doing that. We don't want you. Um, uh, you know, we we don't want you uh, walking around licking an ice cream in the street. It doesn't. It's you know, if eating and eating bread in the street is doma lekelev, it's like a it's like a dog. We're supposed to act in a refined way. That's not a refined way. Licking an ice cream. And, uh, you know, whatever it is, is not a refined uh, behavior. And therefore, uh, it's, it's, it's inappropriate for anybody who's, you know, a seriously from person. It should be avoiding that completely. Uh, so uh, we, we, you can do anything you want in the car. People don't have to look inside. A car is a place that's made for eating and for, for traveling. It's all the necessity to travel, and it's a separate area. And people don't have to look in your car and stare at you. You don't have to be worried about it, but uh, st- standing in the street corner licking an ice cream is not a appropriate behavior. So in the store, you eat in the store. That's where they have, where they have a little seat over there. You should sit down in the store and eat it, but, and we'll else take it home when we or get in the car and start then. So we don't advise anybody to be licking it from the house and outside. But if you did. Or if you're playing in the backyard or something, and you can't see the place where you were eating before, that was somewhere up upstairs. I haven't eaten, I didn't take a nibble since I was upstairs. So now, now we have a, we have to worry about it. So the answer is, we say, make a little break, and then you have to make a new bracha. Okay. Another another question was asked, and this is a common occurrence in classrooms in schools. And this is how the school and I worked it out, basically, and I'm going to discuss it briefly. Uh, the question came up, recess. Recess, there's a snack, and there's recess, and some of the recess may be inside, and some of the recess may be outside. So if the girls are going to go outside, where do they make the brachas? Because they're going to go inside and outside. So we're saying the best thing to do is to have them have a few minutes to be able to eat their nosh inside and then go outside. We go out together. And the eating is not done outside. It's done inside. And that's done for a lot of reasons. One is this, no one's going to remember this whole thing about cheating Markham. It gets very hectic, you know, back inside, outside, what I'm doing. And then they're going to throw the things down. Some are going to be on the ground. Some are going to pick it up. It's, it's a whole mess. It's not a very good procedure. 
and uh, it was recommended. I discussed this with the Rav also, and that's what we recommended that uh, that they finish their snack inside and go outside. It's much. It's it's also teaching proper seder. I think it's a a healthier way. It is it not as geschmack for the kids? Yes, it's not as geschmack. It's more geschmack to to be able to run here, run there, sit and sit down here, and you know go outside, not even think of it. No bracha. That's that's geschmack. But we want to know what we should do. This is what we suggested. Now, one of the questions that came up in that particular school is that they wash in one place and they eat in another place. In other words, the washing room is not right outside the kitchen. It's a little more removed than that. So I, there is a l- rule of 33 feet. Uh, you know, it's it's 22 amos. I'm using the number 33 feet. It's a good number. So, uh, I, I, you know, is that good enough? Is that good enough? Well, maybe it could be it was a little longer than that. So we came up, the best way would be to make hamotzi, where they wash, and eat a kezayas. Now, I discussed this with a rov. And the, what we were talking about, I didn't tell the girls this thing, but maybe if they're listening, they'll hear now. <laughs> but the, uh, but the, the question that we had was, uh, they're going to really get a kazayas. They're going to really eat the kazayas. So, uh, remember most of these girls are not basmets, but some are. Um, we felt, Ruff felt actually that, uh, you know, you try your best to give them a kazayas. There's a there's a teacher there. They should try to you know make sure they eat something, and they should try to make the, tell them to finish the kasayas. You don't have to stand there and 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 measure it and say one second. I don't know if that was a full kasayas. Eat another piece of bread. <laughs> you can't make these girls crazy. Understand? But it's a good idea. It's a good policy that whenever you make hamotzi, you have kasayas right away. I know you like to talk. I know there's other there's one drink and this. Take the kezayas bread and eat it. You avoid all the shilas. There are two reasons why you've got to really try to have that kezayas in the beginning. Number one is this question of uh, not talking before a kezayas. Not talking before you eat a kezayas. Some say you could just have a swallow anything. But others hold, no, you need a kezayas before you talk. That's that, that, that's in Shulchan, that's in Mishnah Burma. It's, uh, it's 100%. Just taught it a few weeks ago. So the, the, the second thing is that when you you need the kezayas in order to be able to bench, a lot of people take a little nibble out of the bread, and and then maybe twenty minutes later they take another nibble, and maybe uh, right before benching they take and make another nibble, and maybe all together it's kezayas. It doesn't doesn't connect. You have to have it within three to four minutes a whole kezayas. What is the kezayas? So I'm for, I, I, I hate to tell you these things, but this is how we, we, we understand it. There are other shittas. You can see it in any sefer on these measurements. Rabbi Pinchas Badna has a sefer, which is very small shiurim for the kezayas. The sefer is called kezayas. And uh, the numbers that my Rebbe gave, Rasha Zim and Zatzal gave, were the one white piece of white bread would qualify as a kezayas, and that uh, the middle piece of a rye bread is definitely a beya, which is a double kezayas. But two pieces of white bread are for sure is going to be. So now the white bread squishes together, and you'll see it's a very, very small thing. 
So it isn't the giant idea of what a kazais is. You think a piece of white bread, look how wide it is. Yeah, it's wide, but if you you would squish it together, you'd see there's not very much content there. And that's what he gave as a shear for kazais. Um Now, we... The next topic was, no, this is not important. I don't think we have to go through that one. Uh, the next one is Kiddush. How come we don't make a bracha chrona on the wine that we had at Kiddush? So the answer is two answers to that. One answer is that uh, most people don't have that much wine. I mean, the person who made the bracha hopefully had enough wine to make a bracha chrona, but a lot of times he doesn't also have enough to make a bracha chrona. He may have had a Suffolk bracha chrona, but very often they don't even have themselves a full amount for bracha chrona. But the second reason is that benching does take care of wine, especially wine from Kiddush. However, it is appropriate to have it in mind at least once in your life, if not always, that your benching is in order to uh, take care of that. The benching will take care of the... Uh, of the one that you had a Kiddush. Most of the people who sit there, who do uh, hear Kiddush and they give them, pass out a little becher, they don't have enough there for Sebrach Then The next topic I discussed with is cranberries. And uh, there's not much time left, so I want to I want to get on to some other things. But just the cranberries briefly, we describe to them what it means, a bog, because the cranberries grow in a bog. A bog is a muddy area, and the, uh, the cranberries today, I mean, there are, this, the, this is where the confusion started in. Cranberries can go in shrubs, sometimes called trees, that are as much as 15 feet high. But the cranberries that you're eating and I'm eating, and we eating the craisins, they're all being grown in bogs. And the bogs are little, pl- the plants are really wide but not very high they're like a vine like the grape is a vine that they're like vines that go six or seven feet long and from the different parts of the vine uh a, like a twig uh, like it's a branch grows up in other words imagine uh, something uh like a tree uh, a tree's not a good example but uh and and it's, it's not straight up it's lying on its side so the branches are sticking straight up in the air, and that's what these cranberries grow on. But the thing, the the the, tr- the trunk of this tree is really a vine that's on the ground. And how high are these little branches? Two to eight inches high. All those cranberries are growing on little teeny plants that are no more than two to eight inches high. So they, in, for many people, that's not called a tree. A tree has to be three tefachim or more, which is ten and five eighths inches upward. So it's for most people that doesn't qualify as a tree. And even though the, the old svarim, some of the old svarim on brachos used to say to make beret priya eights and cranberries, the rabbanim t- are teaching today, at least as far as I know, to make a hadoma. And the reason is because today we're not using the high plant, we're using the low plant. So if we would be, and the, and the, the halacha before was based on the fact that there are high plants, and we're not even so sure how high the low plants are, and therefore we could uh, rely on making berepre eights, which is the ikabracha for the cranberry. 
But now, the way the Rabbanim are looking at it, and Shlomo Zalman Orbach was active in this way also, that the, really the bracha should be hadama. And if you take a look at these plants, they are really, really low. What they do is they take the plant, they take this bog, and twice a year, they, they, they fill it up with water. It's like a, it's like a pond. And they send, they have a little thing of, like a boat. And they, but it's one person drives it. It's just like a, maybe a, like more like a, a bicycle, a small little vehicle. And it has, they call egg beater. They have little things on the sides, circular things that rotate and knock all the cranberries off into the water. And now we have all the cranberries in the water and they use rakes, literally a rake, to take them out and push them into some container. And that's how they collect the cranberries that you eat that become eventually your uh, craisins. Now, craisins themselves are a shiloh because people say, look at this craisin. It's filled with sugar. It's processed up to the hilt. Why are you making hardama on it? Really, we should make a shahako. The answer is you never ate a, a plain uh, cranberry. They are too tart to eat. It's just like a lot of the foods that we have that are too tart to eat, and we have to doctor them up and sugar them up, and then they taste good. So the bracha is eats or hardama or whatever it is on the finished product because that's the way it is eaten. You cannot eat the cranberry as is. That's why you see cranberries are usually coming in cranberry sauce. They're coming in craisins. They're coming doctored up. And uh, not too many people eat plain cranberries. And even with the, even the frozen cranberries, you see, I think, I'm not sure if they are doctored up or not, but uh, the recipe is always add, telling you to add in sugar. Okay, so that gives you a little idea of the brachas. I had wanted to do a lot more, um, one thing I really wanted to do is about the uh, about the uh, juices. So I'm going to try to sneak a little in, in the last ten minutes here. This comes from a pro, from a uh, from, from a publication called Behind the Union Label. That's the OU Orthodox Union. So they have a cute idea behind the Union Label, meaning this is what's behind the OU. Union label meaning the you know the the OU the Union the Orthodox in their label their logo it's a cute line anyway this was written by a, a lady um, see her name is at the end of the article I believe and one second written by a lady named Bela Sheva Brenner she talks about what's going on today in the in the drinks and beverages very very interesting. She calls it the joy of Janica juice, the power of a label. I think that's what it's called. Not, not positive. Anyway, it says that she talks about apple juice and orange juice. It seems that the equipment that's even uh, is a concern, and that they you may be not using non-kosher grape juice or non-kosher sports drinks on the same equipment. So that's why apple juice and an orange juice would require a hashgacha. Well, that's not really the whole story. Orange juice requires hashgacha, as you're going to see later on, because they actually have milking equipment, then, and that's, you know, uh, but that's also an issue, not just treif, but milk equipment is a big problem with the, uh, with the orange juice. 
Uh, as far as the, okay, sports drinks. Sports drinks can contain a lot of non-kosher ingredients, such as glycerin, and also carmine. Carmine is a, a product of beetles. That often they use that as a colorant. They use it as a, for color in making a, a beverage, and uh, they use that uh, that uh, carmine to replace the red f- number forty. Even though it says it says natural on the ingredients, it doesn't mean that it's a, a natural uh, uh, strawberry or blueberry or whatever it is. Natural just means it's that it doesn't mean it's kosher, and uh, the natural doesn't have any effect on it. And carmine is natural. It's, it's from a beetle. So uh, that's an issue for the sports drinks. Um, the OUD on orange juice, she explains the reason why orange juice containers often look like milk, milk containers is that dairies want to maximize the usage of their equipment. So they're actually making the orange juice in a dairy farm, which is making milk. The problem is even if they rinse off the equipment between milk and orange juice productions, it might, might not be at a sufficient kosherizing temperature. Hence, the uh, hot pasteurization or the orange juice uh, of the orange juice would be conducted on dairy equipment, making it OUD. Now, it, many people say, well, OUD is not such a big problem, isn't that? The way it was explained to me, when I looked into this many, many years ago, and the Debert scene, I went to the Debert scene above, and he said, "I have to get this information out to the public." It seems that when they don't do a very thorough cleaning, and you could actually have the presence of uh, real milk in your orange juice, aside from the little bit of real milk in the orange juice, which maybe it's bottle, maybe not bottle, it's considered to be. A real Noisain Tom is like a, it's real dairy equipment. Hot! You're gonna get a hot dairy equipment. And as far as the halacha goes, for, for a or somebody who's very mockpit on Chalv Yisrael, and he holds that if it's not Chalv Yisrael, it's treif, which they hold. If it's not Chalv Yisrael, it's treif. Then having this product is, it's, it's not kosher. And if, even if without that, you can't use it with, meat. Now, many people think, oh, well, why would I, why would I drink it with a meal? So what's the big deal? I got a call. The person said, I use this orange juice with cooking my meat. Cooking the meat. And we had to decide if it was parva or it was really a dairy equipment. And that is forbidden to use in the cooking of meat. So, that's a, a you know what these are topics what the OUD means on a on an, on an orange juice. Another thing they uh, she was talking about is how everybody's running to the uh, to get a more natural uh, drinks, healthful drinks, organic drinks, functional drinks. They're looking for clean labels. That means something that has a lot of good stuff in it, not the bad stuff. They're looking for low calorie, natural flavor, you know, not, uh, things like that. Uh so therefore, what's happening in the industry, and this is very interesting to me personally, is that the big companies today, Coca-Cola, Shasta, probably Pepsi, everybody else, the whole industry, what they're doing is they're buying up healthy beverages. In other words, they're going to produce Coca-Cola 
until the Surgeon General says you gotta puts a big uh, a big poison sign on it. Until that time, they're going to produce Coca Cola. I'd be as goyal Sedex. They're going to produce Coca Cola. People love it, but they can't make the money they used to make because they were losing a lot of money to water companies and juice companies, and they, it's driving them crazy. So what they're doing is these big companies are buying up those uh, other companies that do water and flavored water and uh, and health drinks and uh, you know all that kind of specialty juice drinks. All those things are being bought up now by the big corporations that are making the junky juices, uh, junky sodas that we always like, that we like. So, uh, for example, Coca-Cola bought vitamin water, fruit water. Those are the names of companies. Uh, vitamin, vitamin Energy, that's the name of a company. And Smart Water, uh, which has electrolytes in it. This, they, they're going crazy to get you healthy foods because they don't want to, the, the competition to destroy them. If there's so much money to be made in it, so they'll make the money in that. And if Coca-Cola goes belly up, at least the company won't be destroyed. We'll have all these other beverages that we're selling too. And you have to understand in a company like Coca-Cola, we've got our delivery men and our trucks and our, uh, our refrigerated cases that we put in the stores. We've got a business. The business isn't just Coca-Cola. You know, it could be, we can sell water too. We can make a lot of money on water. So that's that's the way the, the big company's looking. Shasta, which is another big company, um, I, don't, I don't think everybody's so excited about it anymore. You'll see that it's out there. So they bought up a whole bunch of them. Rip, Rip It, Energy Drink, Clear Fruit. These are names, Clear Fruit, Fruit-Flavored Water Beverage, Everfresh Juice Drinks, LaCroix, Sparkling Water, and Megasport. All those were bought in that, bought up by Shasta, so it's a, it's a, they're grabbing one after the other. Now, it's uh, it doesn't. Is it affect? How does it affect us? I think it affects us only that the company's not going down. At least they're going to be able to be uh, to be existing and be able to still st- sell you your Coca Cola, so you'll be you'll continue your addiction. But uh, that's one that's one thing that's uh, no get to us. But I think the big thing you see is that. The world is interested today in healthier beverages and healthier foods. And Halavai, the cautious agencies, would come along and, 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 and stop giving us only junk and try to get, steer the thing around to getting us healthy. Why does the, why the Jewish people, Orthodox Jewish people, have to be the last to discover health foods, health drinks? We should be the, in the, out there in the forefront. That's what I think. Um, and, and I'm sure we can get something good tasting because there are so many companies that are competing in it. They must, they must be good. One company in particular, before we go, Suja, S-U-J-A. This was bought out. Suja was bought out by Coke. I think it's Coke. I have it here somewhere. It's, co- it's bought out... Suja, I believe, was bought by Coke. Yeah, it's bought by Coke. And the, this is an interesting uh, company. They they believe in juice without the junk. And they have a way of taking the uh, juices and producing them in a way that it they'll last much longer. They, they last roughly nine times longer than the fresh-made cold-pressed juices. 
So they have some kind of technology that they developed. It's called high-pressure processing. It's very interesting. The last part of it, the last, last thing I'll mention here is that there is a fellow, and I, I, I have a, a hankering to meet him, Steve Schwartz. He's a founder of Art of Tea. He's a tea importer, and uh, it's very interesting uh, what I was reading here about his teas and his company. I don't know if he has a shkacha. doesn't have a shkacha. That isn't in this article. Uh, but uh, I just guess he does. Oh, yes. They're all, uh, they're all under the OU. <laughs> of course, the OU is putting this out. So Steve Schwartz, I mean, the CEO of Art of Tea, how he travels around and gets the blends. I, it's an interesting story there. And somehow I'm going to try to get it into my magazine. I thank you very much for listening. You've been listening tonight to Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine, on our show, Kashrus on the Air. If you want to reach us any time during the week to get a, a sample copy of the magazine, to get a subscription, to ask us a question, tell us what you want us to discuss on the air, you can reach us at 718-336-8544, 718-336-8544, or you can email us at Kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. Thank you very much for listening.